Oh, I'm hot. I'm hot. I got to turn that down. I think that's better. Yeah. Oh, Don Fennin in the booth. That's right. Hey everybody, it's We Talk Games. Should be Arcade Weekly. Should be Arcade Weekly. One of our summer programming specials. More of it not so with the second installment of summer programming replacement uh, (laughs) mid-series programming. That's what I'm talking about. Mid-series programming. This is the second time that we'll be doing should be Arcade Weekly because we're going to talk about the Thunder series of the Turbo Graphics, and I think the second one actually made it to the Sega CD as well. On the phone with me, though, very special, very special Jungle Rat Rob. Hey, what's up? Hi, Jungle Rat Rob. We've been uh, trying to get you on here. Tell everybody about you. I'm uh, one of the hosts of the Retro League, a uh, podcast about old video games from the 20th century. Mm. And we cover plenty of uh, console games as well as PC and arcade. Oh, you do the PC. <laughs> oh, you do the PC. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, do you ever mostly do... stick to DOS because? Oh yes, okay. we focus on the '80s and '90s. Did you ever do any of the Marvel text-based adventure games that came out? No. Get into them because uh, <laughs> it'll be like the Hulk and Captain America. Uh, you know, and it's all about, I think it's not the Infinity Gems, but it's something that predated that, and it tied in with the comics, and it was, uh, they're pretty lousy and interesting and boring and good. So yeah, check those out. And you've been on a show before, we've done uh, many things. The Retro League has uh, done a few episodes of We Talk Games for our special months. I can't talk about months right now. It's, there's still some ongoing stuff with Stinky, so we can't yet talk about that, but we will. Do you like shooters, Jungle Rat Rob? Oh, yeah. Probably among the, the first games I ever enjoyed and were good at were shooters. So the first one I, I remember playing on a, a home system I owned that I was good at was Asteroids for the Atari 2600. There you go. Let's turn a and, vector game into a pixel game. <laughs> and then shortly after that, uh, Empire Strikes Back for the Atari 2600. Oh. Yeah, it was one of the early great side-scrolling shooters, even before the Nintendo or Turbo Graphics. I didn't have an Atari. I had to go to my uh, aunt and uncles to play it. And mostly I played basketball against myself. <laughs> yeah, basketball. What else did they have? Tank. Another game you had to play against yourself. <laughs> uh they didn't have any, like any of the Activision. They didn't have any of the good ones. I think. Hmm, what did I buy? Oh no 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 no! I didn't get those until like 1983 when I purchased the Atari 5200. I got the 2600 uh, adapter, which I talk about many many times. Which the 2600 adapter was just a 2600 turned sideways that you'd shoved into the cart port of the 5200. It shared the power supply, the power supply, which would burn down your house. But you had to use um, 2600 controllers on the 2600 
uh, plug-in thing. And if you thought that the switches were confusing on the 2600 initially, A and B, 1 and 2 and 4 and up and down in uh, spring-loaded things, it just is confusing on this. Uh, and that's when I started getting the Activision, like Dragon's, Dragon Fire. I think that was my favorite one. I think I can't. Is that what it was called? Dragon Blaze, Dragon Fire? I don't know. You, you jumped up and down over fireballs, and then you try to make it into the castle. But a dragon was there. Punch him. Yeah. Dragon Fire. That sounds right. I didn't get into the Atari till late. But I do have MASH. MASH, the game. And Towering Inferno, the game. And uh, <laughs> a lot of other weird ones like that. Because who doesn't want to play MASH? Atari 26. <laughs> Makes sense. Goes together. Well, I was able to get into arcade shooters pretty early on, too. When I was a kid, there was a bowling alley not far from my house that had the original R-Type. Oh, nice. Wow, to start out on that. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a challenging game, but I right away like really enjoyed the graphics and sound in that, as well as the, the gameplay. Because, you know, being used to, like, really simple shooters, mm-hmm. like know asteroids then suddenly when you can have multiple weapons and power-ups that protect you like that's kind of a big jump yeah that's good that's good it's good that you're talking about options because we're going to talk about options on this game and we talk about options there are things that options and options brought to you by <laughs> dr tongue tongue's options you have the options to not get dr tongue tongue's options that i didn't yeah So, uh, let's talk about the Thunder series. So, what we're going to talk about here today is for the TurboGrafx-16. These are games that should really have been arcades. The first time Kyle and I went out, I sort of bloopered. I thought Kid Dracula would have made a good arcade game. It might have for the first few levels, but then it went on far too long. But um, these games definitely would have fit in the arcade because there were similar shooters to these. I'm thinking of Arrow Flash... Maybe. Actually, I can't remember what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but I think, I think they might have been called Arrow Flash. There's nothing remarkable about these games, except that they came out for the Turbo Duo CD, and they're remarkable games. Yes. Uh, so the first one was Gate of Thunder. Gate of Thunder, which amazingly kept that name when it came to the United States, Gate of Thunder. It came out in 1992 for the Turbo Duo. And remember, these are duo games, so they are Super CD games, meaning that if you had the original Turbo Graphics, that was the, it looked like a closed typewriter with a biodome on top of it, you could put in your Super CD card into there and then play your Super CD games. As well as uh, we're going to be talking about the what was called the sequel back then nowadays it's sort of a forgotten sequel and i even printed out the developers for both games to make sure was this really a sequel not really but it definitely came from the same company and some similar names uh we're going to talk about lords of thunder and that was called winds of thunder in japan and it makes sense we're going to actually start with winds of thunder the lords of thunder because that gets a lot more play people know a lot more about lords of thunder we'll start talking about some of the similarities as we go along and some of the differences as we go along and then i'll I'll get out that mimeograph that i made that shows uh, the teams that worked on these things and i just okay yeah i have them here good Mmm, smells like purple. Okay, 
Here we go. Let's talk about it. Lords of Thunder. Lords of Thunder, Gates of Thunder. Both side-scrolling shooters. Both shooters that you go up, down, and mostly horizontal. But then there's sometimes that you go ups and downs. And in fact, in Winds of Thunder, you even go backwards. Backwards. When you head into the big, 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 big bad guy's place. Both of these games, uh, interesting enough, you can find on your Wii or your Wii U. I think they cost probably about 8 bucks. And the nice thing about the Wii U is, believe it or not, virtual consoles games, is that if you go to the instructions, I can't remember what they call them on the buttons, but if you go to those, those are pretty accurate to the little gaming books that you had. Huh. So when it says that, the story goes like this. Enemies are plotting to revive the Dark One, Zygarde, who was sealed beneath the six continents of Mistral. It's up to you, Landis, and your descendant of Dew to stop them. Select the following settings before each stage. Stage selection. You can select one of six stages initially. Armor selection. Four different types of armor representing the four elements of earth, wind, and fire. And water. Water, that's right. Of course, actually you should be picking from 118 different types of armor. But once again, we're go- <laughs> that's why it makes sense with winds. Well, I guess actually lords too. But, you know, you call it the, the five winds or the four winds or the eight team winds. I don't remember uh, mythology so much of that nature. However, uh, let's see. How many people are on that, that little screen there? Uh, one, two, three, four, five six seven i see seven people because they they also show the dark lord on the uh the people that you're going to fight up against power up landis by defeating enemies and clear all six stages some enemies will drop items that recover your life meter and power bars be sure not to miss them i don't miss them clear a stage by beating its boss defeat all six bosses to advance to the final stage and then they get in their final stage it's not his final stage what a trick. Very interesting here. Let's start off by talking about the Turbo Duo and why, if you are an anime fan and you don't have a Turbo Duo, you missed your great part of life. Now, you mentioned <laughs> yeah. that you grew up starting with like our type um, in the arcade. Of course, I grew up starting with asteroids and space invaders and things like that because I'm 52. 52. So I was there at the beginning, the very beginning of uh, playing Asteroids for hours upon hours and using the hyper, oh my God. Hyperspace? Hyperspace, Jesus Christ. I can't even remember, who, wait, who am I? <laughs> I got to get hit in the head with a brick. Now I remember who I am. When this Turbo Graphics came out, first of all, it was a big TG-16 versus Genesis. That was what everything was about in America. People don't really give a crap about that because Genesis evidently crushed it. <laughs> but in Japan, I mentioned this uh, very much, that the Turbo Graphics, called the PC Engine in Japan, was much more popular than the Super Nintendo for a long time. Long, 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 long time. And the Mega Drive couldn't even touch it, that's for sure, if the Super Nintendo couldn't. It lasted at least a year or two into the Super Graphics um, lifespan. And the PC Engine, the TurboGrafx-16, was really Hudson Soft's baby. Hudson came out with the Hue card. This was not 
something new, the Hue card. The Hue card had actually come out before by Sega for the Sega Master System, which was called the Game Card. I think that's what they called it, the Game <laughs> Card. Uh, but the Hue card became a big, big deal because when the PC Engine launched its PC Express or the Turbo Express, you could carry around, play the same games, same damn games that you played on your television. You could play it on this handheld system. And when we did we catch up with that, um, the Wii U and now with the Switch. And actually the Neo Geo remake, that came out, that was a handheld shoved inside of a plastic container that could play HDMI on your television. And of course the Sega Nomad came out, but see that was later. That was after like the Saturn was already out, then they came out with the Nomad. Same way with the Game Boy DS, that was the power of the Nintendo 64. Still like the power of the Nintendo 64 even with the 3DS. And uh, that's still popular today. So you're really going back and playing Nintendo 64 even till today when you buy the stuff for your Nintendo DS. But at this time, you had both console and handheld playing the same game. So that was pretty impressive. Now, you couldn't play the Super CD games on the Turbo Express because it was only for the Hue cards. But that's what's exciting is now... If you're lucky enough to have a Wii U, you could actually play the uh, Lords of Thunder and the Gate of Thunder on your handheld system. Of course, you could do this with a hacked PSP as well and, and things like that. But it's a pretty big screen on that Wii U. <laughs> I don't really know where I was going with this, except this, this was a popular system. And when the, when the Duo came out, uh, we got exposed to a lot of great shooters. There were good, really great shooters before, uh, even on the Hue cards, like the Soldier series, which you had um, Star Soldier, Super Star Soldier, you had Final Soldier, and the the Lost Gem, the Star Parodier, was part of that system. That was Hudson's answers to Konami's uh, Star Parodia. I oh, wait. <laughs> Parodius. Parodius, Parodius, yes. So this is called Star Parodier, uh, you know, a parody of the Star Superstar series. But uh, Star Parodier was, is a very good shooter because you could also be Bomberman and you could be the PC core system itself. The PC engine core system could be your spaceship, which, if I'm not mistaken, which I probably am, I think it shot out CDs, but I'm probably wrong about that because I, I can't really recall. But it was just as funny. And as a matter of fact, the Star series would continue even over to WiiWare. Uh, Star Soldier R came out as late as 2008, I think. So the Star series really made uh, its impact. The Soldier series, I'm a big fan of. And also, of course, the Thunder series, which is two games as far as I know. But now we're into the duo. So now we can have, we can rock out with our Crocs weren't invented yet i don't know uh but anyway it was some good music and that's what we're going to talk about and everybody flipped their nuts about lords of thunder in the in the magazines and things like this yeah because it's a great japanese electronic drums with wild guitar solos over top of it the only real instruments being the guitar player everything else even the funky funky slap bass is from uh, digital sequencers but the music fits the level so well it's this is metal right here so we're going to talk about lords of thunder lords of thunder starts out if you have the american version you get to 
see the incredible opening of all of the representations of the six lords you will meet before you could go to the middle seventh lord. And you get to see this all happening before your eyes without any voiceover or knowledge of what's going on. Because in the American version, they decided to just play the music. Let's not have somebody talking over it to tell you what's happening. Let's just play the music and you figure it out. There's a blue-eyed guy flying around. Uh, There's this big tower. And then you see all these monster guys. And I got to tell you, I'm not crazy about the art in this. But that's what I wanted to mention. That's where I got off track. Anime. (laughs) As soon as the Turbo CD came out and we saw East and we saw Valis... Valis, uh, and, and even Altered Beast, Sega made some games for the PC Engine and Turbo Graphics when it came to America. They were just awful. Because what you have to remember is that in Japan, this PC Engine was an 8-bit system. They didn't call it the TG-16. Even though it had a 16-bit graphic processor, even though it had two 8s in it, they still considered it an 8-bit system, even though it could keep up with the Super Nintendo on some titles. Some titles could still look as great because it had a huge color palette and could display more colors and longer sprites than the uh, Genesis could. So it, it could compete with the Genesis except that it had terrible advertising and terrible game art uh, for the, the covers. Uh, you want to talk about every single game box being the first Mega Man cover. That's what like <laughs> every single cover for the American TG-16 was. But so... You would have these cutscenes that no one's ever done before or since with these cutscenes, especially the openings. Uh, did you ever see these games before, Jungle Rat Rob? Not back in the day. Okay. Um, when I was a kid with my NES, you know, I played Ninja Gaiden, so I saw cutscenes before most of us had had seen cutscenes. This was some of the earliest, but yeah. this it would have been around the same time, like you know, ninety one, ninety two. Mm-hmm. It was pretty early, but um, even then, though, they put text under the, the graphics, so you could you could tell what was going on in terms of story. Yes, yeah, and many of these would have text, too, but most of them had spoken word, and that was a great thing about CDs. It was nice and clear. It wasn't, and we'll talk about that when we get to Gate of Thunder, because <laughs> somebody's saying something. I don't know what it is. I just know stage complete, but everything else is like, oh, <laughs> It's all your weapon power-ups, by the way. But in Lords of Thunder, you get treated to these different moving pixels. That's a great great comparison is Ninja Gaiden, uh, and also would be like, say, a Tecmo Super Bowl and things like that. Those are great, great comparisons, except the TG-16 would have a lot more, especially once they got the... Uh, CD. As I mentioned, Sega made really horrible games. Horrible games. Um, the Golden Axe was single player. Everything was so tiny. It was an awful, awful game. But the story that built up to you starting the game was all of this, these cutscenes with all these moving people and great voice acting. And, and it, basically, it's anime done with pixel art. And that's pretty amazing because... That took a lot of time, you know? It took a lot of time, and it wasn't just static pictures. It was people moving their heads and hand-animated things re-realized with pixels. And you still don't even see that today. Nowadays, you see full cartoons. Uh, When you got to the CDI, 
and you played your Zelda and your Link games. They were incredibly horrible motion capture things. <laughs> but this was some real artwork going on. So if you are an otaku now, and uh, you didn't get to see these cutscenes happen on the TG-16, I feel sorry for you. I got to see him when they first happened, and that's why people that love the Turbo loved the Turbo and stuck with it till the very, very end. And it was because of things like this. It made the game really special to play. And this was still a time when you beat a game. You know, you bought a game, and you played it till you were done. Maybe one or two games you never beat, but it wasn't like today. Today you have, how many games you have on your shelf that you haven't seen to the end yet, Rob? Oh, most of them, hundreds. <laughs> exactly. But back in these days, like like you said on the Atari, I, I mean, it's kind of hard to beat an Atari game, to be honest with you. But once you started getting into the NES, I think you probably beat most of the games on there before you went on to a, a new one. Yeah. I don't know what it was about those days, but I think it was just not having a ton of games, but and money always, yeah <laughs> yes yeah that was that was a big thing we but we had to have patience to just sit down with each game and play it as much as we could to try and get to the end and see everything that was in it right on exactly and when when i started playing these games again and you only have uh, seven continues and when you get killed on a stage you have to start the entire stage over for both lords of thunder and gate of thunder i was like Oh, yeah. Games used to be challenging, <laughs> you know, because uh, we review arcade games a lot and, you know, they just put in another quarter, another quarter. But you, some games you still have to be talented on and games that force you to start from the beginning of the level and games that only give you a limited number of continues, even with your secret codes. Those are games that you actually have to get good at. And it felt really good. It felt really good to play these shooters. So that's what I wanted to talk about. First, I wanted to talk about the cutscenes being spectacular, I think, on uh, both of these titles. Like I said, I might give it to Gate of Thunder to be a little more compelling. Yeah. For Lords of Thunder, I feel like, you know, the story you would think would be better, but it's kind of more just uh, standard medieval fantasy stuff, and that's okay. But even without any sort of dialogue or text in the the intro to gate of thunder i remember thinking that if i had seen this back in the day i would have thought it was really cool because even if i can't understand what they're saying i don't need to because it's spaceships and spaceships are cool yeah and then when the guy comes on screen with like his little mustache and bald head i'm (laughs) like oh that guy's probably the bad guy i don't even need to know what he's saying i can imagine that's the bad guy yeah and then later after some spaceships have attacked a city yes they show another spaceship getting ready to take off and there's a guy with sunglasses and he sort of like pulls him down so you can see his eyes and i'm like okay that's the good guy yeah and he's even in a plane as that guy he's in a spaceship spaceship. (laughs) you could see what's going on there and i don't i don't think the japanese version had voiceover on that one either this one it didn't i gotta tell you i don't know lords of thunder i don't know what the japanese guy's saying I i never looked into it i think he's saying these lords are bad, and they're going to get this guy in his big floating castle, and he's going to get in a giant mecha suit, and now you got to go beat him <laughs> in these cities. So, so yeah. you, you see all these cities. Desant is the first one. And then you get to pick from one of four armors, and each one of these armors will possess different powers. The wind, the fire, 
uh, earth, earth, yes, and the water. So that's different. You get to choose between four different armors, and also you're a person flying around. So that's what's different about this and uh, and Gate of Thunder. The also neat, really neat thing about this is that I love that you are a person and you can run along the ground. So I love games like that, like Rabiolepis and uh, Fantasy Zone and different games like that where you can run along. Oh, Hanatakadaka is another one. <laughs> well, I don't remember if you could run along the ground, but I remember the first shooter I ever saw where you you controlled a person instead of a spaceship was uh, Barai Fighter. Oh, ho, ho, ho. That went on sale. I used to have to try to push that on people when I was back working for Nintendo in the stores. <laughs> what was that? Just an NES game? Was that ever... That was an arcade, was it? It was just an, e, an NES, I think. Well, I know they, they did port it to the Game Boy. But oh, right, 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 right. Okay. Don't think it was ever an arcade game. Now, remember, Lords of Thunder came out a year after Gate of Thunder. So there are a lot of different elements here. Here you do have more of the mystical elements, but it's like robot mysticism type of stuff you know pure anime you know goop in your pants stuff so you also have a shop and the shop's very important because that's where you could buy level ups for your powers you could buy different types of armors you could buy extra bombs which are called not they're not called spells what are they called casts summons summons when you summons your your little elemental um Bomb. <laughs> it's just called a bomb. But you yeah. summon it, and you know, like if you're the fire armor, a big fire dragon comes out and circles around the enemies. I think water has like this big water shield that spins out around you and attacks the enemies. And uh, like that there. And you also can buy continues for a whole a lot of money and uh, different types of things like that. I think actually both these games are different from how I, I normally remember shooter games working. So Lords of Thunder, you pick which armor you're going to have before you go into a level, and that's it. You don't get to change weapons within the level. Mm-hmm. I think our type is a good example of how I remember most shooters working is there's usually some kind of enemy that if you shoot it, it drops a power-up, and then you could switch between different types of weapons in a level. Right. Also, Gate of Thunder, instead of having an enemy fly up that you would shoot... It's a helper that flies by and drops a power-up. Indeed. So you don't need to shoot it. You just need to get it. And the other way that Lords of Thunder is different is that throughout the level, you're you're picking up little gems that look just like the uh, rupees in Legend of Zelda. Yes. And then in between levels, either if you beat it or if you have to continue, you go back to the shop and you can buy more power-ups. So... I felt that that was actually a a nice change from most shooter games where if you die and have to continue, you start from scratch. In this case, you actually get whatever coins, basically, you collected up until that point to buy stuff so that you're not starting from zero. That is very good because when you're in Gate of Thunder, you're back to basic weapon number zero. Yeah. Gate of Thunder is also a little bit different at least from the generic like our type in that you could switch between weapons once you had collected the three types of weapons and there's no bomb so remember we're talking about a a game pad that only had two buttons initially and a lot of times you would use the select button to do some type of third action i think we have to talk about them both at the same time yeah (laughs) so keep in mind lords of thunder is robot mysticism 
robot mythology maybe is is more accurate and then gate of thunder is spaceships attacking a planet and now you have to go to the gsap you come out of your gsap uh, which i must think stands for some type of galactic police you see that uh hawk is the leader of the police ship that you mentioned that you play as he rides in the hunting dog and etsy i'm sorry not etsy sd <laughs> rides in her uh, little orange ship called the wildcat and the wildcat is the one that comes up from in back of you and drops your little power-ups where there's three different weapons uh what's the one called earth earthquake there's a lightning bolt maybe it's called laser then there's just a wave shot so you start out with the bullets that eventually turn into lightning bolts. And then you have a wave shot, which is, of course, a wave. And then you have options, the little tiny little ships that go on the top and bottom of your ship. You also have a speed control, and that's what you use your select button for. Select button would be right to the immediate right of the D-pad. And you can set your ship to be on, I think, three different speeds. I just keep it right in the middle. I don't like to be so much out of control. There are no speed up power-ups you just can select speeds right from the beginning yeah of your three weapons once you power them up to the top you don't have a bomb but when etsy i'm gonna call her etsy i don't care when etsy comes up from the back of you and you get one more of those collections of the blue so blue is laser green is your wave and maybe orange i think is your earthquake so if you power Earthquake up all the way and Etsy goes and drops in a red uh, or orange gimmick and you wait just to the right time to pick that up, it sends a giant screen clearing wave across the screen to that is your bomb. So that's how your bombs work on Gate of Thunder. On Lords of Thunder, you can use your bomb summon anytime as long as you have a bomb summon. Like I said, there's only seven continues on the entire game and you will start the levels over and i think both games have about the same amount of levels i could be remembering this wrong but i think in lords of thunder if you make it to a boss but then you die and continue you'll come right back to the boss fight ah that i don't recall but definitely that does not happen (laughs) in gate of thunder where you're a spaceship because then you have to start everything over but you learned what the boss did but remember you only have seven continues and it's going to be a little more than seven levels even though it's not supposed to be more than seven levels i mean a little (laughs) bit more so this is what i mean you got to get good at these games you can't die more than once on each stage and some stages you have to make it past two now there are secret codes that you could put in the gate of thunder to begin on any stage but That kind of sucks because, like we mentioned, you start with weapon zero. So you're trying to go against the last stage with no power-ups. That's not going to get very far. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And and that's the big drawback of of starting any level over is that you don't carry your weapons on. Yeah. It's interesting that, uh, you know, Gate of Thunder is more like a traditional spaceship shoot-em-up. With Lords of Thunder, you have both your attack meter and your shields or defense meter. Mm-mm. But if you get hit, you lose power from both. So as you're trying to collect you know, power-ups to level up your attack so that your shots will do more damage and cover more of the screen, if you get hit, even though you'll survive that individual hit, you lose some of your power. So not only are you closer to death, but your weapons are weaker too. And that's kind of frustrating even though most shoot 'em ups just 
let you only take one hit and then you're dead. Mm-hmm. Which is, is Gate of Thunder uh, until yeah. you get the shield. Also in Lords of Thunder, I, we neglected to mention that you you have a sword. So not only can you run al- around the ground, you can get close to an enemy and use your sword. And this is very, very important in boss fights. Yes. And you do have these two power meters. The one on the bottom is your life, and the power meter on top is the strength of your attacks. That's what you meant by when you get hit, both of those meters start to, to come down. And that's why in the shops you can buy either something that's going to help your health or something that's going to help your power. Yeah, in the shop you can also buy a shield. Right, right, right. Like three levels of it that will protect you before your regular health meter starts going down. Both these games really hard, but I like that even though they're sequels, there's definitely a lot of, that's different. So we already mentioned in uh, Gate of Thunder, you can press select to change the speed. But also, once your ship has the uh, options, if you tap the shoot button instead of holding it down, like tap it twice, mm-hmm. your options will switch from going forward to backwards. Yes. So on the fly, you can change what direction you're shooting. Which is very important because a lot of ships are coming up from and back of you. So uh, having the ability to fire in back of you is really great. In Lord of Thunder, even though you go backwards, your guy is always facing forward. But, it, you know, it's okay because you have a lot of uh, weapons that can hurt people from in back of you as well. So you start out in Lords of Thunder. Like we mentioned, you can pick these different islands to go to. Each island is a different setting. The first one does have the money shot. Now, Gate of Thunder does not open with a money shot, which is pretty unusual for a shooter. Remember, it's a prequel to Lords of Thunder, or it came out before Lords of Thunder. So even though you can pick... Any island you want, you normally pick the first island, and that is the desert island. And this is where the big money shots are, because you'll have these giant bugs coming out of the ground. Uh, One of the really neat things about Lords of Thunder is that these mechanical gods or demigods will be riding on these multi-segmented giant creatures, and they're like mythical creatures, but they have armor, but they're like bugs. And it's really cool. It really brings out a lot of the uh, feelings of, hmm, gives me the feelings of like a psychosis or something like that. There was another, there was another cyber game where it was just cyber bugs. But this, these are all types of creepy, crawly, really weird dragon-headed things. But The neat thing about it is that the little demigods, the little men that are the same size as you will ride on top of these. So, like, you'll have these flying turtles, which do not look like Gamera, but they are flying sea turtles. And there'll be two guys, like, riding on it with these... with these laser bow and arrows and things like that cool little elements like that so i'm a sucker for running across the ground i'm a sucker for things riding on other things and you shoot those things off the riding things or you shoot the riding things and then they fall Uh, both games have gates or different types of obstacles doors that you have to blow away columns that have to blow away both of them have small spaces to try to get through and wait until they pass And as I mentioned, the first level that you usually pick on Lords of Thunder then has the big money shot boss at the end of this one, too. It's a creepy, crawly type of thing with a big, giant robot thing in the front of it that you can't explain. And it's got lobster claws. I mean, these things, I don't know. These gods are having sex with animals. Okay? (laughs) 
They're having sex with robot sea creatures and bugs. That's what we got going on there. Azul, that's like a watery place. There's a place where you fight on this volcanic underground cave. There's these dogs that shoot fire out of them. They're made out of fire. So it's a lot of this mythology going on here. Completely made up mythology. A completely fake mythology. A lot of these multi-jointed bosses, a lot of these multi-jointed mid-bosses, a lot of these multi-jointed just regular enemies. One thing on Lords of Thunder I noticed was that there's a lot of repeats in enemies. You might not notice it when you're playing it because you're so into the game. There's a lot to watch and a lot to be careful for. And these aren't bullet hells. These are strategic well-made shooting games but there are a lot of enemies that repeat as well a lot of these little pill bugs that are that have armor on them will repeat Uh, one of the bosses turns into metal balls and he also is like the terminator metal guy there's so much influence by culture around that time that you can see in in these games so he like morphs his arm into a metal spike and it's done with a lot of frames of animation so it looks very smooth there's jungle levels, of course. Uh, these are probably the levels you were best at. <laughs> and there's some really neat things that happen in some of these levels where there are... There's a game called Mesopotamia. Uh, what was it called in America? Right now I can't recall, but basically you were this slinky, and it was a shooter, but you were a slinky that went around shooting things. So you stuck to the ground, and you stuck to the ceiling, and you made this slinkity sound. And in one of these caves in in Lords of Thunder, there are these balls that have um, links between them, and they just sort of go boop, 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 over end to end, and you have to try to navigate between these things. And there's a lot of swinging things to avoid, and this happens in both titles. So there's little obstacles that come down and trap you in areas that you have to wait until they open back up and you can get through them. Gates and... um, different types of things you cannot destroy full screen bosses occur there's uh, the boss uh of the jungle area that is just he's like stuck to the wall he's like grown in there like a tree and then he has two what i can only describe as ground penises that come out after you and you have to shoot the laser spewing penises uh, from the ground and he's stuck in the wall and he's got a unicorn head a lot of unicorns. There's, of course, an ice level, which then leads into an underwater level. And then you fight the big ice god. He is a hmm, armor-wearing unicorn white lion, I'm going to say. He's actually pretty easy to beat. Then there's a level with volcanoes, and, a le- and then you start to get to the cities. And in the volcano fire level, there's a god that turns into a archer with wings I guess that's all he is. A big, a big, big archer with eagle wings. A very odd. Armored eagle wing archer. And then when you get to start getting to the castle sections, there's rivers. And once again, here's these wingmen that look like they're from old episodes of Flash Gordon or something. And they're in a river, uh, riding on the back of a dragon that swims in the river. And then they fly off of him. And then there's big full screen sea monsters that come at you made of multi-jointed pixels and then the sea goddess she's kind of freaky she's like a lion head with uh, armor and uh, a chest plate but she's got like a mermaid tail 
So once you beat all of the regular levels, then you have a cutscene where your hero is looking at the middle. And what do you know? All those islands, those six islands, become this uh, thing that you see in the beginning of the intro. And uh, they become this big symbol. And then you go to up into the heavens to fight the final boss. And there's also these these bursts of speed that happen in the, in this game. So you'll be flying along at a regular pace, and then you'll speed through different areas. They just happen by themselves. Very interesting, these mid-bosses at the very top, you'll get multi-jointed creatures that you've never seen before. If you want to talk about mythology, I don't know where they pulled some of these creatures. They, they just made some really interesting amalgams of freak show things. Because now you're on maybe, there, there's an enemy that shoots a bow and arrow at you. And he's on this sort of, I, I don't know what these are, bugs or cyber, <laughs> cyber bug mythological creatures. I guess that's what they are, cyber bug mythological creatures. Because he's got the jointed hands, then he's also got like a dragon head that can shoot things out of his face, and he's a horse. But then as there's a guy on the back of him, and he's with a bow and arrow, and that's one of the mid-bosses. Then there's the Donald Trump lobster. He's got this <laughs> big giant head, and he's got these big giant arms, and he's really tiny little lobster claws. I mean, the lobster claws are real tiny hands, and the real tiny hands. And uh, so you fight him, and um, he's like half of the size of the screen. Then there's another boss that's... Um, you really get to see the, the the copies of things like R-Type. You get to see the copies of things like the Thunder Force series, where you have these worms that arc out of the ground and uh, then go straight up and down and arc out of the ground at you. And a lot of wormy things that come around. And then you're finally up to the final boss. And what I mean about drawing from popular culture is that his first form well maybe this might not even be the end boss I can't remember who, uh, if this is the end boss or not but basically he's young Sherlock Holmes remember young Sherlock Holmes I think so it was a big deal because it was like the first CG thing that interacted with a person in a movie and it was a guy made out of a stained glass so it was this the stained glass night of the round table or whatever. And he came out of the stained glass and you're fighting him and he's refracting light and he's reflecting light and he's sort of like a mirror. And you fight this one guy that is as close as they could get to doing that on the turbo graphics, And that's what he does. And then actually now you're ready for the final boss. First you find out a message from the queen. I am Farina. Queen Farina is here. <laughs> Arbiter of destiny and guardian of these lands. Good old Queen Farina with with uh, her sidekick Buckwheat and uh, and her husband Cornflake. <laughs> Since the dawn of chaos, I salute you, Lord Landis. You are the first to survive the trials of thunder. See, that's how it ties in. Trials of Thunder. Now that you're, you've proven your worth, well, now that you've fought the creature from young Sherlock Holmes, prepare yourself for the ultimate battle. For Zygarde, the harbinger of doom, has risen. And then you fight 
Zargonaut. Zargot? What's his name again? <laughs> Zagnut? Zagnut. Yeah, Zagnut. <laughs> you fight a Zagnut bar, and here he comes. First of all, it's cool because you fight him when he's just in his regular tiny person god form. Basically, you're dodging these pyrotechnics that he's throwing out at a rock concert. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> these pyrotechnics go from the ceiling to the, to the floor. And I am not joking. Out of these... Um, five pyrotechnic things after you defeat him enough there's smoke that comes out of these pyrotechnics so now he's got the fog machine going out of these pyrotechnics and now he's a big giant gray lion with a lion's head on his armor and this mythical sigh that is also a short staff with with teeth on the bottom and I mean, this stuff is some great mythology. You could write books about this. There's a book series called The Magic Goes Away and The Magic May Return. And it wasn't as high fantasy as this. This this world is fully realized of, of completely original mythical creatures. Once you beat that guy who is nearly full screen, then you get more uh, smoke machine. And then out of that smoke machine, here he comes. It's one giant face. It's the entire third form and final form of this boss and he's just this giant skull cyber head with big scary teeth and purple eyeballs and uh, I neglect to mention one of my favorite types of shooter fire to fight that a boss would have would be the bendy lasers and you get bendy lasers in the first level of Gate of Thunder, and here in Lord of Thunder, the final boss has the bendy lasers. So these are lasers that'll go out. As soon as they get in line with you, above you or below you, they'll bend down towards to hit you. So now you have to try to move forward really quick or backward really quick. And these are very strategic shooting games. So they're not necessarily bullet hell, but they are patterns and they have a lot of technique to defeat these bosses, to defeat the enemies, to avoid missiles, and um, especially in this game where you choose the armor that you're going to use on that level. A lot of strategy involved with, with what you choose. You could probably beat each level with any armor, but it will be easier for you to uh, mitigate some of the bosses and some of the mid-bosses. And at the end, you finally get to see your girl and you kiss, and, well, you don't even get to see the kiss, so tough luck. <laughs> tough luck on that. That is your Lords of Thunder. Anything you want to say about Lords of Thunder? I think you covered it pretty well. It's really challenging, as most shooter games were from those days. I think the the mixture of fantasy and kind of technology that you were talking about was pretty cool and made for some interesting enemies, even if like they did repeat some. But the soundtrack, as we mentioned in the mm. beginning, is one of the, the best parts of this game. Because it's classic 80s hair metal. Exactly. And the Japanese hair metal. So, like I mentioned, it's all synthesizers except for the crazy guitar studio guy. Let's take a look at these charts that I have not drawn up. And I'm going to try to tell the difference between the two games. <laughs> okay, Gate of Thunder and Lords of Thunder. Your original programming, your original plan. Lords of Thunder is... Nakazawa and Red Kaminarimon. And the main programmer in Gate of Thunder is Naniki Nin. Okay, so those are very different. 
Both games are made by Red, by the way. So both games are made by Red and Hudson. I think we get into the graphics. Let's see. Graphic design. Yes, here we go. Graphic design for Lord of Thunder, Metal, Shell, and Idol. Graphic designer for Gate of Thunder, Metal, Shell, and Idol. Bang! <laughs> On Lords of Thunder, the music is produced by T's or J's music. I'm not sure if that's a T or a J because they went cursive all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah. On T's music or J's music. Music composed by Super Assist and Nakamura. The music program for Gate of Thunder. Sound design by Nick Wood. Music direction by M. Takeda. Music program by Yamaoka. Mixing engineering by T. Nagami. Okay, so that might be T's music. Music produced by N. Wana. So, no. Except posed by... Groove King on uh, that. It looks like maybe T's music might be T Nagami. I'm not sure. And a lot of special thanks that I don't want to try to go through. <laughs> yeah. Gate of Thunder is presented by Sin Sound Design, Red and Hudson Soft. Lords of Thunder is presented by Red and Hudson Soft. Both created by Red Kaminariman. Kaminariman, Red Kaminariman. It's interesting that um, that it mentions Sin Sound Design. I wonder if that's only on the sound part of it, because Victor Musical was also a developer for TurboGrafx games. So it's not unusual for a Japanese company to begin as like a music company and then get into video games. Anyway, so those are your tie-overs. As we mentioned, Gate of Thunder is complete sci-fi spaceships. You do fight some some spaceships that I consider influenced by, I don't know why, I think of hippos. Some of the whale uh, and hippo for some of the larger spaceships are very round. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to remember. I don't... They're like tubes. Instead of being all spaceshipy, there are a lot of smooth round tubes, sort of like a whale. I always call them hippo ships. I don't know why. But in the beginning, you do see Don Jingy. He's getting jingy with it. That's the bald mustache <laughs> man with an earring that you know is a bad guy. And you see Eagle, his commandant. This is very Nazi-esque type of uh, uniforms. And then you see him launching all these spaceships down to destroy the city. And then we switch to the GSAP, which I mentioned earlier, and they send out their police cops. Now, the interesting thing is in the beginning, Hawk, the guy that takes down his sunglasses, has a charm in his hand that he squeezes. You don't know what's in the charm. And then he gets in his spaceship, it's fueled up, and then he's let loose. Now, these are some of the, in his hunting dog um, spaceship, and these are some of the the great anime cutscenes that I'm also talking about. This one I like to art a lot better than Lords of Thunder. I just think some of the, the characters' faces are amazing in Lords of Thunder, but I just think some of the body uh, art styles I'm not crazy about. And that's how I am with some anime, too. It's not quite Fist of North Star anime on Lords of Thunder, but it's close to that type of style. Those type of weird body elongation parts, but the faces are are unbelievable and the movements are great. Not as much movements in uh, in this first one. And then Etsy gets in her spaceship and she's ready with her Wildcat to drop the power-ups for you and you're heading down to the 
planet to try to fight off these enemy ships and the whale ships. I always call them that. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. There's all okay. different types of things. There's little ships, there's geometric ships, there's ships that pull apart in the middle. You got to dodge between things. And you do not get the money shot initially on the first stage. You are fighting Robotech type of guys. But one of my favorite parts of a shooter, you start right in the first level, which does not mean that it's the money shot. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, Jungle Rat Rob, but money shot is not from pornography. That was adopted by pornography. It's not like Deep Throat where, you know, Nixon went and saw Deep Throat of the wiener and then, you know, called Deep Throat in, in the Watergate hearings and things like that. Money Shot actually comes from animation. And it's always the title screen of the animation that you notice has many more frames. Three times as many frames as the cartoon that you're going to watch. Like with... Mighty Orbots, or maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or even Jumanji. Jumanji, uh, if you remember that cartoon, they had 3D graphics in the beginning, which you don't see 3D graphics in the regular program at all. But they would spend a lot of money on the openings of television programs, and especially cartoons. And that's why that was called the money shot, because that costs the most money to draw you into watching these cartoons. Voltron. Thundercats is another one, but there's like a uh, He-Man. He-Man uh, has a lot more filmation. Was <laughs> there? They're really known for this. Every now and then they'd sprinkle in some motion captured stuff to their crappy artwork uh, <laughs> and very low amount of frame rates. But the entire opening was all you know, quite very well animated. Lots of special effects. Um, multiple pass-throughs to different companies to do the different or different compartmentalized I- segments of the. Yes. The closest I can think of is like um, generally just like money saving stuff where it was the opposite, where normally mm. the, the animation in, say, uh, Star Trek, the animated series, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's fine. But then to keep things cheap, occasionally they used uh, like long shots where the characters just appeared in silhouette. Right. They did that a lot and, on uh, Filmation's The Planet of the Apes, too. Yeah. It's funny because that would actually make sense a little bit to do in a video game if you wanted to you only had so much in memory so most of the time you used good animation but then occasionally you would just zoom out and have tiny sprites well our type is the archetype of the money shot and the first boss is a giant xenomorph you don't fight anything quite like it the rest of the game so that's the big money shot payoff uh, in our type really hooks you into the game and, and most video games will do this i'll do They'll do the big boss to draw you into the game. And then, of course, the final boss is a big deal, but that's when it drains all your money. Whereas the first boss, you can get to look at it, say, this is cool, I'm going to continue playing this. The beginning of this game of Gate of Thunder, first boss is just a boss that opens up and you got to thread the needle between his uh, beams. But the very first part of it, there's a giant ship coming down. Uh, you're on the surface of the land. Great parallax in this. Most people give all the music and all the parallax and all the art direction to Lords of Thunder. And the reason I wanted to do Gate of Thunder second is because I think Gate of Thunder is a superior game. I think it ekes it out just a bit. I think the music is just as good. It's just as hard rock, good guitar, over synthesizer stuff. The compositions work very well. 
And I think the entire layout of the game, just my pure enjoyment of it and the ways to navigate, because you are a spaceship, instead of being a vertical person, you're a horizontal spaceship. I think that just works very well for shooters. I think if you're a person, having it be a vertical shooter is very good because you're about the same width of a ship. But when you're doing horizontal shooters, it's more difficult. Cotton does it very well. Uh, Magical Chase does it very well, where you're a witch. I think Lords of Thunder does it well, too. But I just, I really like Gate of Thunder more. Gate of Thunder actually became a pack-in. It was a CD, Super CD-ROM with the Turbo Duo. And you got Bonk. And I, 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 uh... I mentioned this on another show, and I think I forget already. I think (laughs) you got Gate of Thunder, Bonk, and I think the third one was Bomberman. But I can't remember. And they were all on one CD. So it was a pack-in. And I tell you what, if I would have saw this game, I would have bought it. Because you have like five layers of parallax scrolling. It's beautiful scrolling. uh, Much more consistent on Gate of Thunder than on Lords of Thunder. Lords of Thunder, the parallax is kind of... A little bit different for each level, but in here it remains consistent across each of the levels. And as I mentioned very briefly on this one, because it is mostly just a space shooter and you're fighting different spaceships and um, they're great in design, they're great in the way they shoot missiles at you and bullets at you and the patterns, but there's nothing particularly original, unique, or surprising from it. It's just a really, really good shooter. But in the beginning, you're going along the surface of the place that's being turned into a red earth, and this giant ship comes down from above you, and you're flying beneath this giant ship and the ground. The different door bays are opening on the spaceship above you, letting out different ships. There's uh, turrets that you're shooting out. And this is one of my favorite part of spaceship shooter games. If they have the part where you go against a giant battleship, usually you go all around the giant battleship and try to knock it all out before it gets destroyed. This one, you're just going underneath of it. And there's even this one very dramatic part that I don't think anyone will ever forget. And there's this giant fin of the, the spaceship coming down. And you can't destroy it. And it's just a fin that's sticking down. And it starts rubbing against the ground of the planet. And then it just blows up. And I don't know why it's there, but it's very memorable for some reason. And they use light very well in this game. There's no loading. Levels are, I don't know if they're about the same length of both. But what they'll do is they'll just take the entire background of black. And you'll see the entrance to a cave. And as soon as you go in a cave, then all of a sudden these different layers start to light up of the mechanical backgrounds going on. And if we can ever do another show after this, if people still listen, because <laughs> this one went <laughs> really long and it, it got off to a weird start because you have to talk about both of these at the same time, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. how you switch between them, we needed to find that groove, you know. So it yes. took a little while for us to get there, but that's okay. You fight different drilling machines. You fight a lot of different spaceships in this. Each level is mechanically based. It's based around caves. It's based around a lot of technology. It doesn't switch between tech and bug types of things. It's almost all technology. And uh, there's a really cool and really neat different types of giant robots. And oh, Actually, wait a minute. There, there is this one level where you're in the desert and you fight these really icky bugs. <laughs> you fight tapeworms and stuff and it, I'm like yeah 
I don't like things like that. And the end boss of that is a big mechanical, uh, I don't know what, blob? I think it's well, a jit monster. <laughs> See, I don't know if it's the same enemy you're thinking of. I, I know in the, the desert level, mm. I, I think it was really similar in the two games. I, it definitely wasn't the same sprite, but like in the desert level of Gate of Thunder, there's these worm things that, that fly up out of the ground. Yes. In Lords of Thunder, I think it was a desert level again. Might have even been the first one that you're introduced to, but like kind of bigger worms. They'll come up out of the ground, but more slowly so that you have a better chance to shoot them. Right. But then they're also shooting stuff upward. Yeah, I remember in Lords of Thunder, they also do a little bit with the lighting because there was a cave with like a waterfall where you couldn't see what was inside the cave until you actually go in. Right. And then the background lights up. But I don't think they did it as well as it gets done in Gate of Thunder. And there, yeah. there's usually, you know, more layers. And like you said, like light, you can see little lights in the background on all the machinery. And it sometimes will like fade to black as you go to a different section. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see more in the background later. And it really adds a great atmospheric effect for these type of bright pixels. I mean, these are all very bright pixels. The TurboGrafx was a very bright system. Lots of colors, lots of undulating colors, lots of color palette swaps. CyberCore was a game that I wanted to try to think about where you fight mostly bugs. And it's much like one of the soldier games I had mentioned, but this one's uh, just fighting all like types of mechanical bugs. And that's what this one desert stage is that you mentioned on um, Gate of Thunder. But those tapeworms, ugh, yeah. I, I just think of getting a tapeworm after I see those see those things in there. Pincher bugs and bees and different types of wasps that have uh, multi-segmented laser tails and things like this. Final bosses thing right out of like our type, except not even as interesting. Once yeah. you blow that up, the bald guy with the mustache, he must have been in there because he gets blown all to hell. And then the, uh, that's no moon. Uh, that blows up. <laughs> And there's your police thing, and there's Etsy right next to you, and you're both uh, happy and going to go fall in love, and you return to your cop spaceship. And then you see the wreckage of this red ship, and you see Eagle. His head's busted open, but he's still alive. And in his hand is that locket. That locket that you saw in, what's the other guy's name, Rex? I can't Hawk. remember. Hawk, yes, that's it. <laughs> Eagle and Hawk. I think this Eagle might be the guy from uh, Fighting Street. I'm not sure. He could be. <laughs> he does kind of look like it. Yeah, yeah. He, he got older and now he's in a spaceship. He opens up the locket and it shows his family, his wife, his uh, son, and their little baby in this locket. He closes it up and then he floors it and he just flies out of sight. Nothing ever came of that, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of weird. I guess it was supposed to kind of like show that he was similar to the main character that you played as. Two sides to every story. Yeah. He's human too. He's just misunderstood. (laughs) What do you think about my idea that Gate of Thunder is just edges out Lords of Thunder a little bit? Even though they're they're different. They're both shooters. They're both similar. I think I'd have to agree, even though I haven't played Gate of Thunder as much as Lords of Thunder. um, I think I like it because the way you get the options and you have more, well, options with them because you can shoot forward and backwards. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I like that more in terms of gameplay than Lords of Thunder's just don't get hit. 
Like yes. Collect lots of power-ups and don't get hit, and then you can shoot all over the place. But in Gate of Thunder, it actually felt more like a game, because it's like, okay, at this part, I need to shoot forward, but then there's guys coming b- from behind me, so next part, I need to quick reverse and shoot backwards. That I'm in control of. I, I like that more. Even though I don't have as much leeway in terms of getting hit, I still feel like there's more skill involved rather than just luck. Mm-hmm. They're both good layouts, but I think Gate of Thunder is just more consistent. Both take a large amount of skill, and I love the music in Gate of Thunder, and I think it gets overlooked. Yeah, because the music in Lords of Thunder, it's hard to forget, and so that stands mm-hmm. out over a lot of different games' music. Like, you might compare different shooter games and their cool music. I think most shooter games have a little more variety than Lords of Thunder, too. Yeah. As cool as its soundtrack is. So having like like Gate of Thunder just having a little bit more um, variety and I guess originality? <laughs> Craftsmanship is better suited yeah. than originality. Both games are cinematically, if you want to call it that, well mixed with with the music and the visuals. So nothing's out of place. But for some reason, everybody flips out for Lords of Thunder's music, and I think Gates of Thunder is more to my taste, I think, because it's more mechanical. As a musician, it's not as annoying because I don't notice the difference between the analog and the synthesized music as much as I do in Lords of Thunder. Lords of Thunder, uh, initially, when you began doing... Uh, electronic music, which I began in 1987. It was very difficult to mix analog instruments with digital instruments. It took some careful acoustic something. I don't know what, but to mix those two, especially like trying to put a saxophone solo in the middle of electronic composition, it really took some sound attention to sonics and whatnot. Uh, that's why I think I like Gate of Thunder, because I think it it's less of a dynamic shift between that live fuzz guitar craziness and the uh, simplistic drum machine beats and things like that that go on back of it. Let's give you some code selects. Gate of Thunder, we don't get to talk about things like this very much because now you just pay to get extra things. (laughs) Your stage select on Gate of Thunder. At the title screen, you press one, two, two, one, select one, two, one, two. And then when you go back into your select menu, you will see the option for a stage menu. So now you could, like I mentioned, go to the last stage, but you just start with some bullets in front and you make it about a a quarter of the way, (laughs) or not even that, a few seconds into the beginning of the last stage and then you become murdered. There are no cheats to become invincible in these games. In Lords of Thunder, on the configuration menu, this is kind of interesting. You actually set the music to... Both of these have sound tests, which is great, especially for samplers like me back in early 90s, is that you could, you know, do the sound effects. Hey, I just sampled that sound effect. Now I have songs that have Daddy from uh, Final Fight and all these different uh, cool sounds from different shooter games and things like this. Bloody Wolf was another. I had that in one of my songs. So on Lords of Thunder, you set the music to two, you set the sound to two, put the level to super but once again this is another thing we forget we neglect to mention your choices on level difficulties are normal hard and then crazy hard <laughs> so they're called different things in, you know, in each game i think one's called oh i think it's lords of thunder is like normal hard and super 
and the gate of thunder is normal hearted devil yeah devil that's it devil that's right that's right that's awesome <laughs> devil mode Lords of Thunder, music two, sound two, level the super, then hold select and press the one button. And then that will give you 10,000 crystals to start with. That means you can buy a lot of shields and a lot of full energy. You can start with full power right away. You can buy uh, your bombs, maybe even that extra life. I can't remember how much that was. And then if you just want to do the boss fights, uh, which is kind of neat. You would do music one, sound one, and set the level to hard, and you hold select and press the one button. You choose a stage, and then that's the boss that you will fight. You also get to buy things at the shop before you fight the boss, and you can continue fighting different bosses by choosing the different areas, and you can keep making money to beat those bosses by using a bomb, 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 bomb. You know what? I didn't play the boss fight mode to the full end. So I don't know what happens once you beat all the six levels. I don't know if you then can go to the middle and fight those two final bosses or if you just fight the, the final, final boss. But anyway, that's kind of interesting. And unfortunately, now I don't think you can get this anywhere except if you still have your Wii or if you have the Wii U, uh, which with the Wii store. Of course, Hudson's now folded. They were purchased by Konami right before Konami folded. So, <laughs> but I think people are still releasing Bomberman. Oh yeah, they are. So you know, who knows? Who knows how these things go when people buy this and that, and then they then they still release games somehow. I don't know. Yeah. No one knows. Oh, Gate of Thunder is available on the PlayStation Network. Is it? Okay. Wow, that's really surprising. I think Lords of Thunder is only available on the Japanese PlayStation Network, but yeah, you can get that on the, get them both on the virtual consoles, how I got them. Yeah, and they play just as good as they do on the Turbo Duo. If you have a Turbo Duo, I think these games are probably only around maybe $70. Now, they might only come with uh, just the disc. It might be scratched up. I don't know. Or it might be, uh, you know, a ripped disc. I don't know. But uh, they are available on that. Like I mentioned, you could make your. PSP, PSP collectible. You can make that play your turbo games. Uh, different types of emulators can play turbo uh, CD games and things like this. So there are ways to play it out there. But the best way, I think, would be on the Wii Virtual Console because that has the two buttons when you hold your thing sideways and the select buttons. Actually, the select button isn't in the right place. So, yeah, get a Turbo Duo and then play these games. Yeah. Well, if you get the original Wii with a classic controller, then the buttons are in the right spot. All right, man. That's this show. Thank you for joining me, Jungle Rat Rob. And what do you got coming up? A little bit later this year, we'll be having our best game of 1993 tournament. Aha. Uh -huh. Where we put all the games in a basketball style bracket and have them go at each other one on one. And then the listeners get to pick which is going to be the best. I see. Now, do you know that in 93, they were still doing Hudson Carnival releases? These are interesting games uh, called Carnival, Carnival 93, Carnival 90, whatever. And basically what they were were just shooters that you would play to get a high score. So you would have a shooting contest, and it was called Shooting Carnival. And this was to see who could get the highest score on a generic type shooting game. Yeah. I, the end. <laughs> uh, actually, Star Soldier, Superstar Soldier, Final Soldier, and Shooting Carnival 
maybe 93, all in one CD. So check out those uh, shooting carnivals. You might not have heard of them before. Um, I don't think that they'll make it into any type of basketball league (laughs) bracket system, but they're kind of interesting, and you can still find them uh, probably on eBay and stuff. I don't know. I haven't checked for years, but I have uh, at least two. I think it only lasted for maybe four years at the most, but I have two of the shooting carnivals, and they're surprisingly good. I think Blazing Lasers might have been from a shooting carnival type of game, but I could be completely making that up. But it sounds real. All right, man. Well, thank you, everybody. Listen to the Retro League. Yes. Yes, they should listen to it. Yeah, because if you don't, look out. Come and get you. I know where you live because I'm in your ears. Thanks for joining me. I talked a lot. I hope that that these are two good games for you to play. Uh, Yes, definitely. Cool. Uh, It was a lot of fun to be on. Right on, man. Do you think that you're going to try to find any more TurboGrafx uh, shooters? Definitely. There's a lot that I haven't played, and... Something about 16-bit shooters always kind of takes me back because I played so many of them back in the day. Yeah. Check out, like, Spriggan, Spriggan Mark II, the Soldier games, Star Soldier, Final Soldier. Cyber Core uh, is okay. Uh, Psychosis, very weird, very odd. But the Turbo had a lot of really neat shooters. Even even Blazing Lasers. Now, even though Blazing Lasers, lasers, ladders, and shoots and lasers... Blazing Lasers seems a little crude, but there's a lot of charm to it, and there's a lot of good shooting elements to it. Uh, I really recommend the Spriggan because those you mix and match different orbs of magic to make your robot fire different types of beams, and you can also throw your orb back out as a bomb, and then it lessens your shooting uh, ability, but can save your tail really quickly and what i wanted to mention to you that i tried to bring up before but i'm all over the place today um there are actually two more games i'd love to review with you if you if you enjoyed these two games one would be aldenice and that was a game that only came out for the super graphics that shooter i think would be like a sequel to to these two although it was not at all uh, or Aldines, I don't know what you would uh, call it. I would call it Aldenese. Then also, huh, what was the other one? I can think of at least one game that I can recommend, although it's r- really hard to play. Oh, <laughs> but a, a game I own called Vertical Force. It's for the Virtual Boy, and it's basically oh yeah, a, of uh, course, that's very much like Blazing Lasers. Yeah, or a Soldier Blade. Mm-hmm. So any of those TG sixteen. Games, but if you can find an emulator that will play Virtual Boy games, it's pretty solid, and it is built kind of around the um, stereoscopic 3D because you're moving between two planes, mm-hmm. and when you can actually see it in 3D, then you can immediately tell what plane the enemies or shots are on, so you can move back and forth to get it just right. Right but on. 
Yeah, I like that game. I have a Virtual Boy. It's not a bad idea to think of that. You know what's hard to emulate about the Virtual Boy is the sound. Because people just think it's 3D red. Well, yeah, maybe the visuals are 3D red. But it's very good 3D red. And not only that, the sound is incredibly surround. For these tiny speakers that are there, how the hell did they do that? I don't know. And the controller is almost impossible to emulate as well. You really have to get a game that can only work like a normal, uh, like vertical, vertical force, I think is a, is a good pull because I think it only does have those type of buttons that you would use on a regular controller. Whereas a lot of the other games are very hard to emulate because of that weird virtual boy controller. Two D pads, two AB buttons on each side. You know, it's just a symmetrical type of game pad that there's nothing like it. Although in functionality, it's not too different from a lot of modern controllers where you could have like a either joystick or D-pad on each side. And then you've got the kind of trigger bumper type buttons on the back. Mm-hmm. A little bit ahead of its time. It was definitely. All right, man. Well, I can't remember what the other game was anyway. So but uh, definitely would like to play out East with somebody. And uh, uh, maybe we do that and it'll be a lot less uh, long of a show because uh, we won't try to tackle two games thanks for joining in and i hope to talk to you soon and i hope that you like us bye bye <laughs>